Hey everybody, it's Matt here. And before we get to the episode today, I just want to invite you to slay this giant of sexual sin with us. I want to invite you to consider doing an event with us. We have so many different kinds of events that we could do. There's events for men, there's events for men and women, events for parents, for youth, for young adults. There's Sunday morning preaching. Um, some of the events that we do are for our one-time things and some are weekend-long conferences. And so if this is on your heart and you'd like to address sexuality and porn in your church or in your circle, in your ministry or whatever that might look like, uh, I would invite you to go to restoredministries.ca slash events. You can see what's possible there with some things that we've done in the past. And we're also very flexible with working with different event organizers and, and churches in what it can look like for their particular setting. And so if you have it on your heart to carry the message forward of, of freedom and wholeness and health over sexual brokenness, I would love to chat about what that might look like. Go to restoredministries.ca slash events. And at the bottom of the page, you'll see my email and feel free to email me. We can hop on a Zoom call together and look at what doing an event together might look like for you. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Brad Hafner. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Pure Victory Podcast. Braden here, Matt across from me as usual, and we're hoping you're having a great day today. It's a sunny day here in Alberta. Hope it's sunny wherever you are. <laughs> it's been a little bit warm, hey? I don't know. It's been a little warm, but I'm yeah. not complaining. No, I, I no. love I love the heat. Just drink water. Don't wear too many clothes, and uh, don't don't wear long sleeves at least. And then and then you're good to go. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You people in Florida, hey, we got Brad Hansen on here from Florida, the second person from Florida we've talked to today. You guys don't even have jackets. You don't. <laughs> winter jackets aren't a thing down no, there. No, you can't even buy them down there. <laughs> You know what's weird though is like I'm from the Midwest. It was cold and flat, and pre- like I, I think pretty similar, some ways. Maybe not quite as cold as you guys, but yeah. I can't believe what a pansy I am now about cold weather. I can't handle. It. I'm the biggest whiner, and um, it's it's amazing how quickly you get adapted to a different environment. And now when I yeah. go back yeah. forth, I'm like, how did this isn't an inhabitable region? Like this is not a place for humans to live. Totally, it's a it's a barren, hostile wasteland <laughs> up here. <laughs> it gets below seventy, and you can't handle it anymore. Yeah, that's right. And you know what, awesome. Brent? It doesn't matter really if you live here because I feel like I'm a pansy too. Oh, me so. too. I know exactly. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're among friends, and I like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. I, I think the settlers from like so people that settled in Canada, they must have come in like end of March, April. Yeah, and then they built everything by September, and, and then just, the snow came. It's a cruel joke. It's just, where did I settle? We can't go now. We're it's all <laughs> built. True. So, so the Canadian thing, I got to tell you, I'm old enough. You guys aren't, but I'm old enough to remember Bob and Doug McKenzie. Oh yeah. Okay, so it's almost an out of body experience for me just listening to you two guys. Like now, I'm all <laughs> with these two Canadian guys. It's just, totally. It's it's yeah. I yeah, feel like that's awesome. I fell into that that world that genre. Oh. I, I hope we don't sound exactly like them. Yeah, I always exactly. thought it was a little hyperbole, but hey, whatever. I mean, if we do, we do. <laughs> a little bit. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> well, anyways, if you're wondering who Brant is, <laughs> um, we're really excited to have you on Brant. But anyway, he is an author of some great books. Unoffendable, my wife and I read that a couple years ago, and we loved it. It was um, it was it was one of those books that I think even Brant, you were mentioning, a lot of people read, and initially they're a little bit like. No, I don't agree. But as you go through the pages, all of a sudden, you're like, wow, 
this is something I never came to terms with. And, and that was the case for us as we read your book. So great book. And you've written some other great books as well. Um, you know, The Men We Need and a really important book as well that we're going to chat about a little bit too and, and how that pertains to what we're going to talk about today. But uh, you're a radio host um, as well, Brant's radio host. And he is so good at what he does. You actually won personality of the year. And I know he wow. loves talking about it. I, I mean, I, I think it's just, he's just beaming with joy talking about this. So... <laughs> Well, it is a funny thing, but it's even funnier the way – this is a legit thing that they've done. So Christian music broadcasters in America would have – they have a big convention and stuff, and so they pick somebody. So I've won, I've won that more than once, and um, it's ironic because I, I, I don't have that much personality, honestly. And the second thing is the way I put it in the bio, I said I've won multiple personality of the year awards. And <laughs> And it went out like that. I didn't catch it. it was like, people, like he won multiple personality awards. For Which being, brands are we going to talk? What to personality today? are we talking to today? Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah, my wife uh, always jokes about that. She says I have more than enough personalities to keep you occupied, and uh, it's, it's true. I love my wife, um, and it's true. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so you're you're at home with Brad. That's, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, what's your story, Brent? You you came to a place. Obviously, the Lord's using you to build up men for His kingdom, to be, to build up people for His kingdom, for His glory. And so, what's your story? How did you get to to the place where God has given you platform? Okay, this may be really counterintuitive and maybe not inspiring at all, but I have no idea. How, like I, I had no plan. I'm. My whole thing has been, I try to focus on today and then ask God, please make a way for me. And I think he has. Like, I, I didn't have a master plan. There was no, nothing. I wanted to be a baseball announcer, but I, I can't see very well. So I had to kind of give that up. And um, it, I became a newsman on the radio. And I tried to be a good reporter and that didn't work out so great. And I was just helping out on a morning show, like as a sidekick. I didn't want to be a host that happened just by my boss made that decision to leave me on by myself. And then the ratings went really good. Like, so I didn't plan that. And then they syndicated me. So we're on a couple hundred stations. We're on UCB there in Canada. And if you listen, you'll be like, this guy's not very polished. It doesn't sound very smooth. He doesn't sound like a DJ. And that's all actually really cool because you just get the genuine thing and it cuts through and i think part of my just a little bit more about my stories i went through a lot of hypocrisy growing up my dad was a pastor and our our home was very traumatic and awful and seeing that juxtaposition of jesus words and then terror i have this thing about saying stuff that i don't really mean i don't want to do that and i think that cuts through on the air maybe in my books too where it's like it's there's a there's no real showtime stuff that's going on. You just you get what it is, and um, because it creeps me out if I'm ever talking about faith stuff and I don't mean it. So I think that actually the bluntness. I'm also on the autism spectrum. I was diagnosed years ago, and I, I think there's a bluntness that comes from that, and I think the bluntness actually helps on the radio too. People don't expect it, and then it's refreshing. So that's kind of been I think how this thing has grown, and I didn't have a plan, but. It's neat to see what has happened because mm. you have to give God credit for it because I didn't have this big vision or anything at all. And I still don't. Yeah, so. I love it. Well, I, I love it because throughout everything you just said, 
is well, I, w- I wasn't good at this. I didn't. I'm not good at this. But I, I'm different than everybody. But isn't that what God uses? Yeah. He uses us because we're different and yeah. uses our weakness, and He just makes a way. And so I think that's very inspiring what you shared. Good, because like honestly, if you're listening to this, or for you, you know, Brad and and Matt, like um, that is because if you're if you're awesome and you're super talented, or you're this man of vision, and you've done this and that and this other thing, and you, oh, then great, you're awesome. But if something wonderful happens from your life and you're not all that, well, then God's great. Yeah, like he's a, he he gets the credit for that because you didn't orchestrate it. So I, I like that. I think it's I think that's great. Mm. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think that that's relatable because if, uh, you know, I, I think sometimes when we see someone who is polished and appears a certain way for, for many of us, we just can't relate to that at all. Um, oh. So, you just, and if anything, I mean, if we're going to be real as people, I think we, we can't lay claim to being polished. I think we all have aspects of ourselves that, you know, I think that, uh, you know, there's, there's brokenness, there's, there's weakness, but God uses it. And I think that's where we need to get to be. So that's, that's yeah. great. Well, how yeah. about acknowledging too, like there's one expert, the rest of us are novices. I mean, Jesus is the expert. He's the teacher. And so if somebody exalts themselves, like, I, like, come on, yeah, come on, sit down with the rest of this. I think that's the vibe too, with my radio stuff or our radio stuff. It's just, I'm just, as I'm growing, I'm talking about stuff that's helping me grow. And, it, and I think that comes through and that's, that's actually empowering the people listening instead of going, wow, that guy's super spiritual. It's like, huh, I never thought about that. There's a lot of, huh, never thought about that. And then, but we're all growing together. And so people email me, Hey, I hadn't thought of, what do you think about this? And it's, it's a neat vibe. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I last or a couple of weeks ago, I was thinking um, back to like the, the comments that I get after I preach and probably more than anything, people say, thanks for being vulnerable. I can relate to that story. When you share something that you've been through, more, right. probably, I'm sure it's more than any other comment It's like, Oh yeah. When you're vulnerable, I can relate. Yeah, really cool. That's exactly really cool. it. That's what cuts through always. Mm-hmm. And that's that's so deeply encouraging to people. Instead of walking away going, man, that Matt, he's an amazing orator. Like, that's not our objective. Right. That's not, that's not, that's not encouraging. That's right. <laughs> he only said um three times. I say <laughs> twenty. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly oh man uh well what, when you were a kid you grew up in this in this hypocritical environment and there was fear and terror and all that um we also all have a sex drive and we find that out at some point what was your journey with that because obviously I'm, I'm assuming there wasn't a lot of uh safe place or safe conversation just from what you said oh no about- no no way I, there was no discussion of discussion about it really because of my dad's issues um and including his own unfaithfulness that was serial and heartbreaking and um Mm. no there's no so i don't know what to share other than typical teenage guy from a christian background beating himself up for falling into the same habits you know so I wish there would have been somebody there speaking into that, that, that could have said, God still loves you. Mm-hmm. Like, let's, let's, let's concentrate on other areas of growth. Like you can still, you, let's keep growing. Let's not turn away from him in shame. That would have been really emancipating to me, but you know, you're on your own. My parents got divorced. I think it was in seventh grade or so. 
and then remarried to each other when I was a freshman. And then they got divorced again, I think a year after that. And it's, it was all, yeah, it's just, it's just, no, there was no trust place where I could talk about that kind of stuff. Right. Right. When we find that often our past and the story we've been through, um, all that God uses and the areas that we are passionate about, the areas that we want to help others and often stem from what we've gone through. And it sounds like, as I'm picking up on some of the things in your story, why you would write a book like Unoffendable, why you would write a book, you know, (laughs) right, exactly, like The Men We Need, why you write books like that. Mm. And moving from that kind of sexual aspect of not knowing where to talk to or who to talk to about that and, and working through that. I know before we came on, we were talking about how a lot of these things are so interconnected. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're struggling with pornography, we have an addiction there or other sexual stuff. The books that you've written and, and even having a broader holistic understanding of some of these things, there's links. And so I know this is a big question, but maybe get into some of those links. So talking about what it means to be a man, even the unoffendable component, if you want to bring that in, you know, how do those pertain and relate to some of these areas that many struggle through? Well, that's a great question. I don't know if I'll adequately explain, but let's uh, let's show on one level. Let's talk about anger. I mean, anybody who struggles with an addiction, they'll tell you it's when you're hurt, angry, lonely, tired, right? That's when you fall into addictive behavior. When you're healthy, you're much more apt to not fall into stuff that you don't really want to be involved in. Mm -hmm. And I think living in perpetual anger, maybe it's from your past, maybe it's from your dad or, or it's unresolved anger you haven't forgiven you haven't dropped your right to anger that's going to show up in unrelated ways seemingly unrelated ways i have no doubt about that it makes everything harder to deal with so you're just you're much more at risk of falling into habits and things when you when you have this unresolved anger thing and let's face it for a lot of christians we were taught I mean, this gets into the unoffendable stuff, but we were taught that anger is good, right? Like, so you're, you're taught, well, yeah, there's unrighteous anger. We're supposed to get rid of that, but righteous anger, we're supposed to stay righteously angry. I mean, we're taught that. Is that in the Bible? No, nowhere is it in the Bible. Nobody can find that for human beings in the Bible. It's a shock to the system when we find out that only God's anger is righteous and that ours isn't. And we're supposed to actually forgive people, or get rid of our anger before the sun goes down because he knows, he knows how we're made it will destroy us. So I think it's related in that way. Another way it's related to, I think, like just about general inability to grow up. One of the things I try to say, a couple of things in in The Men We Need, I try to say, like I I was on Focus on the Family recently and I really love those guys. Jim Daly is fantastic, but he was bemoaning. He's like, well, yeah, The Men We Need, how are we supposed to have The Men We Need when 70% of guys admit that they have a pornography problem and you know, it's time to get over it. And I, I agree in principle. I'm like, yeah, I, I get that, man. But can we have some compassion? <laughs> like, and I know he does, I, but I just wanted to make that point on the air. Like, if you're listening to this, men have never had to face this before in human history. Not like this ever. Mm-hmm. So can you cut yourself a little bit of that of slack? I'm not saying it's it's obviously deadly. It can destroy your marriage, your life, your sex drive. It can destroy how you approach life. But man, this culture is not okay. And the culture is isolating and then puts this in front of your face all the time. Where it used to be, you would be involved with other people all day long and you'd be tired because you're working so hard and you'd be, you know, building walls around your village or you'd be defending people and your family and you're working out in the fields or you're doing like, 
that that was life. And it was communal, and you saw everybody every evening at the local place or whatever you know in the neighborhood. Or you, like, people were much more integrated. We're not. We're isolated. We're lonely. We have time on our own, and then we've got this technology. Well, that's not that's not our fault in a lot of ways. I mean, we're in this culture, so it's yeah. tougher for us. And I would like to have some. I would like to have some compassion along with the warnings that it's not supposed to be this way. And when I'm writing to younger guys, like in the men we need, it's not just the younger guys, but I'm just saying, look, I get it. I want you to know this is really tough. Don't let it stop you from growing in other areas of life because it's, it's in the other areas of growth that this will be squeezed out of your life. It's, it's really going to be as you mature as a believer, your desires change. You may learn how to handle your schedule differently. Sometimes it's just a scheduling change can help you immensely how you live your daily life so that you're not left by yourself you know how you handle the technology and it, it's like it, it feeds the anger feeds into our addictions but also our addictions feed into our anger too so that's the last point i'd like to make on this and that is when you collapse inwardly you wind up being angry like if you fall back into the habit of pornography for instance Sometimes you, you become a more angry person. You're more impatient around your wife. You're more impatient around mm -hmm. other people. You're more impatient towards your brother or sister because you're mad at yourself, but you've also like lost this connection to God. You're just more negative and acerbic. And so people, when they, when they squeeze this out of their lives, when they get this out of their life, they, their remarks are interesting, like on Reddit in the in forums about this, not even Christian necessarily, but they're like, I'm much more positive. I have more energy for people. I'm doing better at work. People tell me I'm more confident. And it's like, it's, it's weird how these two things can interplay with each other. So there's a lot of where this overlaps. And you're right, a lot of this for me comes from growing up and then wanting to hopefully be a voice of compassion to people and because we're all changing and God's very interested in who we're becoming. Um, and, and we can start that today and we, we need to, we can grow spiritually. We can't let this stop us. I'm curious because right now as we're recording, there's all the rage about the movie sound of freedom and people are going in and they're seeing what's going on and the evil in this world. And there's a righteous anger that people are experiencing or claiming to experience. What, what, what would you say to that? People say that there's a righteous anger. What do you say? I say um, it seems that way, doesn't it? But whatever you do with anger, you can do better without it. Hmm. If you think, well, I can't, I can't stand for justice without being mad, that's a problem. Because the people we charge in our, in our society with justice, you want them angry? Police? Hmm. Oh, I can't do anything unless I'm angry. Is that what you want the police thinking? as they go out on their patrols, if I'm gonna stand for justice, no, we wanna be clear headed. You wanna be driven by a desire to defend the vulnerable, knowing that you're in a spiritual battle, but even rooting for the bad guys spiritually. Right. We're supposed to, so it's this clinging to our own emotion of anger and thinking I'm entitled to it is, it's, it's disallowed in scripture. Mm. But standing for justice and doing the right thing, whatever you do with anger, Dallas Willard said that, you can do better without it. And right. it's, it, it's our biggest problem because we're not taught out of it. But the military, you don't want judges judging out of anger. Like, why can't you stand for what's right and take action without nursing your anger? 
that's that that to me seems like a personality issue that maybe you need to grow out of. I also point to in the book, I, I use various examples. I'm not arguing from authority, but I'm using examples. Martin Luther King Jr. believed the same thing about anger, that there's no righteous anger for humans. He was brilliant. He was pointed. He wrote his letter from a Birmingham jail. It's brilliant, but it's not angry. It's very pointed. It's very true. But he even said, I can't be angry because of what God's done for me. Mm. I've been forgiven. I'm responsible for an execution that happened on a hill 2,000 years ago. How do I then turn around and go, all oh, these horrible, evil people that I'm going I'm to stay angry at them? Okay, you can. But what's weird, and they've done studies about this, especially with regard to social media, the people who tweet the most about justice do the least. And if you think about it, it kind of makes sense because if you think your anger is righteous, you can kind of pat yourself on the back just for being angry. And you feel like, hey, I did, the, I checked that box. I did the thing. Like you haven't sacrificed, you haven't given any money, you haven't stood for something, you haven't taken on any danger at all. You just got mad. Congrats. But you can be passionate, you can be clear-headed, you can do the right thing. I'd like to think in my own life that that's what I do um, while I'm forgiving the people who share my sin problem. Right. Yeah. This is this is so interesting. I picked up on some really clear words that you you spoke in that, and one of them was entitled. And often we feel that entitlement to whatever we're feeling, and sometimes we equate that to being virtuous, right? Like if I'm offended, that's a virtue because I can get that affirmation through that when I post whatever I do out in the world or my inner beliefs and acting on those in anger. That's a virtue, right? And we we see it that way in our culture. Okay. Um, so, so how do we come to terms with that? Because I mean, it's an upside, upside down way of thinking and even what Jesus talked about in the Beatitudes and the way of living. Um, very upside down. Ver- I mean, I think that's the right side way up, but in our culture, that is upside down. So how do we release that entitlement? Because um, that is a, these messages have been ingrained in us all yep. the way from grade yep. school. And yeah, we, we just can't even imagine this. Like, yeah. how could this possibly be that I'm not supposed to be angry about everything? Right. Well, Couple, a couple considerations on this. Number one, if you really believe in this righteous anger thing, you will never stop being angry because there's always something going on all over the world. There's stuff you haven't even heard about yet. I mean, if you don't travel much, you're, you just think about, you know, what's on Fox or what's on MSNBC or whatever that's making you mad that day. You have no clue of the millions of other things you could be righteously angry about for the rest of your life. And anger will kill you, physiologically will kill you. It changes your blood pressure, your insulin levels. It makes your face look older, faster. It makes you put on weight. It changes your skin. Like there's all of this stuff physiologically that happens. So when Jesus is telling us to get rid of it, or when Paul is writing to get rid of it before the sun goes down, and the Bible's so consistent about it, anger resides in the lap of fools. But all of that is so merciful, knowing that we can't handle this. So I come at it from that angle. But the other thing is forgiveness benefits anybody, whether you're a believer or not. But I honestly think the only resource for it ultimately is, is my own forgiveness. So that's, that's where this actually works. So you start the day thanking God for what he's done for you. And you're going to extend that forgiveness to the rest of the world before they even need it. Cause somebody today is going to do something stupid. Somebody's going to be evil. Somebody's going to be a person. That's what humans do. To get angry again that somebody cut you off on the highway is really strange because it's like, how many times are you going to be shocked by the nature of man over and over the rest of your life? 
So that's that's the resource. I don't forgive people because they deserve it. I forgive people because I didn't deserve it. And that's unchanging. So that's something you can start the day with and you decide I'm going to forgive as an act of worship. Jesus even said, if I don't forgive, I won't be forgiven. I didn't make that up. I, I don't know what to do with that, but there he said it. Um, so this is this is what it means to actually be his follower and deny myself and take up my cross is to extend this forgiveness to others. Right. Doesn't mean you don't pursue justice. But the, one other point about this, when we think that this is just too crazy, you know, I'm trying to convince people like it's not, this is the biblical way to live, but people will say, but it's so hard to forgive. I'm like, yeah, it is, it is hard, but it's harder to live a life of unforgiveness. That's harder. Yeah. So I highly recommend the way of Jesus in this way, on the cross, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. I, it's a healthy way to live. Yes, it's counterintuitive. Yes, it'll make you a very different person than the rest of the world because they're offended by everything. But but um, I think we're supposed to be different. Right. And the right. weird thing is we get to we, we become more fun to be around. It's really wild when you adopt this. You grow right. from Yeah, like I'm naturally a Pharisee and now I'm like way less judgmental than the rest of the world. Yeah, that's how you and get people to be want multiple to personalities of the year. <laughs> that's how you get to do it. <laughs> there's, the, there's the secret sauce right there, there. Is. Yeah, you too yeah. can win awards for both <laughs> yeah I, i'm just curious brent because i mean I, I love what you're saying and um so just even thinking through a case study here because we feel we're very feeling oriented people something happens in our day and this happens all the time we're we're, we're feeling angry we're feeling upset frustrated whatever else could be something happened at work our boss said something to us or a co-worker and inwardly we're feeling this or it might even be something that we feel justified in feeling like it could be someone says something really mean to our wife and we want to defend her or something like that but we feel these things and and so in the case study aspect of it when we're feeling what's the process that we need to go through to just kind of center ourselves, come back and be like hey i gotta forgive i gotta move forward in this I understand I'm feeling this, but uh, what do I, what do I do with that? Because often what happens even with pornography is we feel something really intense. We can't process it or deal with it. And we either lash out or go to our drug of choice, which could be porn or other things to not feel or to numb ourselves. Um, so kind of work through that case study of in our everyday, how this looks like. So, well, you hit on it, but it's returning to my own need for forgiveness and what God has done for me and appreciating that again. That's it. That's the resource. So I use the analogy, like how we view the world. Like imagine you're in court and you're supposed to get the death penalty, but for whatever reason, you think you're never going to see your family again. You'll never see the blue sky. But for whatever reason, you're let go. And you're driving home to see your family again, your kids, your wife, whatever, whatever in this case, your loved ones. Somebody cuts you off. Are you screaming and flipping them off? No, you're not. You're crying with tears of joy. You're like, I can't, but like life, I've been given life. That's, that's entering into the reality of, of your own forgiveness. If you really believe this Calvary story, you know, like then that's what happened. So that's the, that's the resource. That's the only way to do this. So you can acknowledge the emotion. That emotion's like a warning light on a dashboard. There's nothing wrong with it, a flash of anger. You know what anger really is? It's the fight or flight response. So that's why we can't keep it in our systems. That's why it's so deleterious physiologically is because it's supposed to be a fight or flight thing that's supposed to last 30 seconds. But mm -hmm. the humans are the only creatures on the planet that can keep this in our system permanently. 
and it kills us. So, but that that's the resource for it. And you know what? When people offend you then in that way and you get that warning light, you get that rush of anger, it forces you back into this place. Why should I let this anger go? Oh, God loves this person. Look what God's done for me. That forces you back into humility mm -hmm. and an appreciation and gratitude. So it put, actually, the weird thing is when somebody offends you and now you're practicing this discipline of forgiveness, which is so freeing, you're actually becoming a more grateful person. Like that person has given you an opportunity to recenter your gratitude and gratitude's so healthy. You know that you can't be grateful and angry at the same time. Mm. It's not possible. You choose gratitude or you choose anger. It's one or the other, but I think it's fair to say, I feel angry. It's understandable, but then we have to go to work on it. So that's what Paul's saying in your anger, do not sin, but be sure to get rid of your anger before the sun goes down, like go to work mm -hmm. on it. So this isn't suppressing anger. It's not about suppression. It's not about like Zen detaching. It's the exact opposite. You're actually entering into, I am hurt. I'm going to let this go because of what God's done for me. This is an incredibly freeing way to live. And the other weird thing is as you practice that in this case study, you will get angry less. You will get offended less because you're now disciplining yourself to see the world in a grateful way. It's now a way of life. It's, hmm. it's, it's a Jesus way of life, but you, you become less egotistical. You get more humble. And that means your ego is bruised less. You're less threatened. You're not very threatenable. And that means the fight or flight response didn't happen that much. Cause it's like, this isn't about me. Somebody cuts me off on a highway. Like what are we in a race to get the last food or something? Like this isn't Mad Max yet. It should be okay. Like we'll be all right. Delayed me for three seconds or two. <laughs> my life it's worth worth getting angry over right uh i love what you're saying it goes in line with what what the lord has shown me but saying like i don't deserve this people treat me a certain way i didn't deserve this like right but what you did deserve was hell and so when scripture says to be thankful in every circumstance that to me is a key for that yeah in every circumstance like you can be when you realize you don't deserve it i i love what you're sharing um a question for you is a lot of the guys that we work with they because they like say porn has come up or in their infidelity or whatever in their marriage and every day they see the consequence in their wife or their kids or whatever and they are so mad at themselves and they carry that guilt what we're talking a lot about outward anger towards others but what about anger towards yourselves what do you how do you lead people in that well okay let me let me answer this way maybe a couple things the cavalry thing let's be let's be blunt about this that was pretty bloody like that that's a mess mm -hmm. the, the flogging and all that stuff that's a that's a pretty brutal violent scene but that was for your forgiveness that's for the thing that you're mad at yourself about right in this case or what i'm mad at myself was that enough i think it was I think it was, but that's, that's why, I mean, what we, what we've done is serious, but what he's done for us is, is enough. And so if that's God's opinion, that it's enough, if the, if in fact he, Jesus doesn't need to go any through any more of that because of just how horrible I am and what I did to my family or what I did in my past or whatever, what I, whatever I'm caught up in. 
Well, if that's that's an is enough for him, his opinion should count more than mine. And if it doesn't, if my opinion about how horrible and evil I am over, you know, trumps his, I, I've got, you know, that's too bad. So I, I don't know how else to explain it, but to enter back into that, like that was enough. That's why it was. That was why it was so ugly. So it's not a guilt trip at all. It should be freeing to go, hey, he understands. He paid for it. He knew it was serious. So at some point, take on his, uh, take on his opinion, mm-hmm. and then and then grow in all these other areas so that you can become the man he has in mind, yep. and that will be a blessing to these people around you. And finish strong. Right. That you can finish strong. You can, you write a new story. It's going to be great. You'll be able to tell that story about how you started growing up as a result of this horrible thing. And now you're a, a man at peace. You're one of those older guys that can listen mm-hmm. and can smile and say, it's going to be all right. I hear you. And people need that. There's not many older guys like that right now, but you'll be one. So better days are ahead. Mm. Yeah. That's great. I love what you're saying coming back to Calvary because uh, uh, Jesus had the final word on this. It is finished. And, right. you know, he said that. And do we believe that? You know, what he did for us, do we believe it? And or do we elevate ourselves or our, what we're going through, our sin or shame or guilt, whatever else, above that final word that God had on the cross? Well, and, can I say one other thing about that too? I'm sorry. Sure. No, go ahead. Yeah. Think about Adam blowing it. And we think, oh, he got kicked out of the garden. God went with him. God came into the garden and was like, Adam, where are you? Like, what? And that's a lament mm-hmm. when God's doing that. He's not actually like, I need your GPS coordinates. I can't find you. Like, like we, we walk together and you're not showing up. And the reason Adam isn't showing up is because he's so ashamed of himself. But God still wants to walk with him. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're going to let this shame thing, like the, the biggest tragedy of all, it would be a bigger tragedy than anything you've done to anyone. The biggest tragedy tragedy be you don't show up anymore because you're so ashamed of yourself. And mm-hmm. he still wants to walk with you through life. Like he still wants to partner with you through life. And you you're not gonna walk with him. Like I, I just don't miss, I just think it's a terrible thing to miss out on this relationship of a lifetime because of shame. And when you can get this out and talk with people about it and like Christian brothers who can say, yeah, me too. That helps so much with the shame thing so that you don't go and hide, but you can continue to walk with God and not let it stop you from becoming who you could have been. I love it. I love it. Can you speak to the, the, so we need to lay our right down to anger, but God has that right to respond in in, in yes. righteous anger. So what's, what's the purpose of his righteous anger and why is that separate? Well, he can be trusted with it because he's not a sinner. Like we are, we have so many cognitive biases, so many twisted thoughts that we fool ourselves. We're self-delusional. I mean, it's modern psychology now. Cognitive scientists just chronicling all these biases that we're not even aware of. But we're the the uh, unmerciful servant. We've been forgiven, so we have to forgive. God is. He can be trusted with anger. He can be trusted with vengeance. It's His. He can be trusted with ultimate judgment. Like there's certain things that's like. We'd like to arrogate that for ourselves, but we're not allowed because we're who we are. So I think that's I think that's a major difference. And when people are like, yeah, but Jesus went into the temple and he did this, like, 
my friend Sherry says, honey, you're not Jesus in that story. You're the money changers. But we all think we're Jesus. We all think we're the king, not the unmerciful servant. We're the ones that are issuing righteous decrees, unaware of the fact that we're the ones that are responsible ourselves for deep sin. So, yeah. Wow, that's great. Well, I have a question moving on to this too is, um, I mean, for us as men, one of the particular things that I think we have a hard time releasing some of this stuff because in our culture, there's this deep-rooted fear that we don't want to be seen as less than or even a doormat. And so we hold on to some of this toughness we think is what, what is toughness. But paint a different picture for us because yeah, okay, that's not the model Jesus has given us, right? No. No. And in fact, you'll find that women, I, I think women are obviously brilliantly intuitive about who we are when we're at our best. They don't think anger is masculine. They think action is masculine. I mean, if you're cool-headed and you take action to defend your wife and you do the right thing, that is, they uh, uh, generally wives will find that extremely hot, like attractive. That my he's gonna he's gonna take action. I can trust him, not out of anger. She doesn't want to live with angry guy. No woman wants to live with angry guy, but a guy who's level-headed, clear-headed, compassionate, and always will take action and do what needs done. Now we're talking, right? So for guys that are like, I got angry about it. So toddlers get angry. That's not masculine. <laughs> right? Right. So what? They, they, the, to be a, a person who takes action, on the other hand, is that, now we're talking, provides, protects, protects the vulnerable. Now that now we're talking about a masculinity that's, that's really beautiful and life-giving for people around him. Mm -hmm. He makes people more secure around him. It makes people around him feel more secure just because he's there. Anger doesn't do that. Anger does the opposite. So you're actually being less masculine by being angry guy in the house. You're making pe people feel less secure. This is not a good keeper of the garden. Hmm. Don't be angry guy. <laughs> Don't be angry. <laughs> no one like wants it. angry guy. No. Well, I'm trying to think of a woman who she's sharing why she loves her spouse. And she says, because I love his anger. That's, just, <laughs> that's not something that comes up. I haven't heard that either. Yeah. Somebody, somebody actually brought up, I'm not making fun of this person, but actually like, well, what about the Incredible Hulk? Didn't he get things done? And I'm like, there's got to be some law of theological discussion. The first person who brings up the Incredible Hulk loses. The day, like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, come on. He was wearing purple underwear. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. I think you've touched on this, but I just, I, I got one more question, maybe Brad and you do too, but one, one proverb that's constantly in my mind about offense is it's, it's to his glory to overlook an offense. Actually what it says is good sense makes one slow to anger and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Um, Proverbs 1911. Can you speak to what maybe you have already, but what, what is it? What is his glory? What does that mean when it says it's his, it's to his glory to overlook an offense? I, I guess I don't, that's a good question. I think in a way you become a weightier person, weightier. Like, I, I feel like a lot of glory is, is like where you put your glory, like where you put your weight, your value. And I feel like you become a more valuable person to be around in that case. Like you just more substantive. I mean, that's, that's my non-Bible scholar kind of take on that. But if you think about it, are the people you know in life who are not easily offended, they can just, they just have this forgiving attitude. You can't scandalize them. 
right? Mm-hmm. There's something really peaceful and wonderful about that to be around that person. Mm. And um, maybe that's where the glory comes into. People just will be drawn to that. I've seen it 180 in my own life as I've practiced this going from Pharisee guy to people want to hang out with you because you can't scandalize me. I won't flinch. Right. And no matter what your personality is coming up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's well said, Brent. Uh, I really appreciate that and that, that point of view. And uh, I think that's something that just instills a sense of hope in all of us. Um, understanding that as we release this and surrender this and, and really move in the way that the Holy Spirit's guiding us in this, that it is better for us. It's better for the world. It's better for our relationships. And um, the ways that were taught us in the past um, or what we've seen or even now uh, about anger or you know even offense is... Uh, not the thing that we need to hold to, but instead let's hold t- tightly to the cross. Let's hold to Jesus and what he's teaching us. And it's going to be so much better for us and those around us. So um, really appreciate that, Brent. Um, so tell us, where can we find you? Where can we find your stuff? Um, well, Amazon for the books is fine. And then I'm, uh, I have a website I don't maintain very well, but it's branthanson.com. And um, yeah, if you want to find more stuff like that, my radio affiliates and stuff are on there. And then we have a podcast called the Brant and Sherry Oddcast, which is maybe a lot of fun to listen to, I think. And I hope it's really encouraging. We both have a comedic kind of background, me and Sherry. We've both done some stand-up comedy and stuff. So we have odd senses of humor, but it's very unique. If you can handle, if you can handle a strange sense of humor, plus some reflections on on how to walk with Jesus. It's like, that's, that'll be your sweet spot. That's awesome. And is that what it is? Just general reflections on walking with Jesus? Yeah. 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 Like how to do this thing that I'd actually follow Jesus and then how amazingly healthy it is in, in so many different ways. Like he knows what he's talking about. Like you're much more relaxed, the anxiety, the anger that our entire culture is swimming in. Like this is our ticket out. So yeah, we love talking about it. I love it. Well, I think this has been a profound time with you, and I, I'm sure that it's going to be helpful for people listening, and and uh, we've learned a lot too. So thank you so much for this and for what you do, and uh, keep going. Thank you. Thanks for being such good interviewers. You guys are really good at listening and picking up on stuff, and it's not always a given, so that's really cool. Coming, coming from you, Brent, that really uh, is touching for us, so thank yeah, you. Very good. <laughs> Well, everybody out there, thank you for listening and uh, go check out Brent and uh, his resources and the podcast. I think that's an incredible uh, resource for you and you'll have fun listening to it. So God bless you. Have a great week. We'll check in with you next time. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.